to spiritguys.co.uk network radio. This week's guest is international speaker, author and medium Sharon Ann Klingler. In the show, Sharon discusses her childhood as an identical twin, which led her to some extraordinary experiences inspiring both Sharon and her sister Sandra to investigate greater levels of consciousness and the nature of reality. Well, Sharon, it's a very warm welcome um, on board. Thank you for coming on to spiritguides.co.uk radio. Um, well, thank you for having me, Ian. You're more than welcome. Um, before we get going, I know that you're you're coming over to London, um, right? In, soon, I imagine, because you you're actually at the Mind Body Spirit Festival in London. Um, yes, that's right. That's right, and I understand you're doing a four-hour workshop on the on the 28th of May. I just wondered if um, if you could just tell us a little bit about the workshop. Sure, it's it's a about new techniques in linking with spirit. I'm a medium, and that's one of the things that is my favorite thing to teach. Um, and so I teach people how to have a higher level of. Uh, uh, spontaneous spirit linking abilities. In other words, to be able to do it quickly, to be able to be very comprehensive in your techniques, and also to be able to interpret the language of spirit. And so that's what we're going to be covering um, in uh, on a number of different techniques um, to talk to spirit, identify them, feel their presence, and respond to them immediately. Sure. And I guess one of the most important things really is about discernment, isn't it? It's all well and good opening up, but how do we know if they're good or bad? Well, that's true. And um, although I, you know, I like to tell people that, you know, if you're a divine, eternal, imperishable soul, you know, you don't really need protection because you're, you're divine and eternal and imperishable. Protection is something that if you hold the idea of protection in your mind, um, that's also aligning yourself with your temporal identity, with the part of you that is vulnerable and, um, and, and indeed perhaps even frightened. I don't actually worry about good or bad spirits because I live in a state of trust and work in my mediumship in a state of trust that only those spirits whom I'm supposed to be talking to are going to be approaching me. And of course, if you live in the light, you're not going to be attracting any dark spirits anyway. Yeah, because it's often said that um, fear kind of attracts negativity anyway, but if you put yourself in a state of no fear, um, then that's a kind of protection as well. Is that, is that true? Yes, absolutely. If you, put your st- if you put yourself in a state of absolute identity of self as your divine eternal being, then you, there's nothing that can harm you. You are in a state of your godhood, and since nothing can harm you, then what is there to fear? Sure. Okay. I mean, you've got quite an interesting background. Um, I understand you've got an identical uh, twin sister, Sandra. Is that right? That's right. And um, and basically, what's kind of got you into this is that you've had some wonderful, extraordinary experiences growing up together as as an identical twin. Absolutely. There would have been, oh, I can't even, countless, countless occasions where one of us would slam a finger in a car door and the other person would be across the other side of the city and start screaming or, you know, step on a nail. And it, I mean, I'd, almost every single physical event that was of a significant nature that happened to one of us actually kind of in a transpersonal way happened to the other person <laughs> as well. But besides that, we'll go shopping and, and at very 
scariest times and come home with the exact same blouse. We'll buy the same furniture without knowing it. You know, it's <laughs> it's just there all the time. It's crazy. In actual fact, I'm an identical twin as well, you see. Um, oh, gosh. Well, isn't it the best fun? <laughs> it, it is. It is. I mean, I've had some strange experiences as well where we've um, we've been in a city and we've been... we've kind of lost we got lost and we're like miles apart and um we basically just ended up in the same shop right (laughs) and this is just like something (laughs) we both weren't aiming to get to a shop it was just kind of like we actually was in in holland at the time and we've been out in the nightlife when we're a bit younger and we got lost and um we just headed back and obviously when you've been out you just found something to eat and we both ended up in exactly the same food joint um, it was kind of strange really but there's been lots of things like that um, oh yeah so with with yourself and, and your sister um, you know what was you both kind of did you both have psychic experiences when you when you were younger um, more than normal normal well, when I say normal I mean like more than most if you like well, actually, I think that the predominant or most of the psychic experiences we had were with each other. It's not that we spent our childhood seeing other people's, you know, passing or having kind of a sensitivity to what other people were going to say or where they were going to be. It was our, and, and certainly in childhood, our psychic experience work was mostly with each other. So it was only as um, I moved into high school, actually it was when I was in high school that I got my first deck of tarot cards and um, and that put me on the path pretty firmly and of course then my degree is in psychology and uh, and the study of the mind and consciousness and all of that uh, and Sandy's a counselor too so um, so we kind of went the same path yeah okay so sort of growing up together did you um, did you enjoy being around each other did you feel that being a twin was uh, it kind of drew a lot of unwanted attention in my case when we grew up we get a lot of attention all the time and sometimes it's quite overwhelming but I think different people handle that differently don't they yeah, well, we certainly did get a lot of attention. You, you know, when there's somebody that looks exactly the same as somebody else, people are going to stare, and 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 all of that. But I don't. I never found it disquieting in any way. Um, and indeed, I always felt bad for anybody who wasn't a twin because <laughs> I really don't know that anyone could have a sense of the the depth of the camaraderie and the depth of the the significance of the link that you have with another person, even to the point of practically sharing consciousness. And of course, having somebody nearby to be a playmate all the time. So, yeah. so it's, um, it's a good thing. It was a good thing. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. So just sort of looking through um, some of the books you've, you've written, I know that um, you've actually written a book about past lives um, did, I think, did you write that with Sandra as well? No, actually, the, um, Sandy and I have only written one book together. It's called um, The Secrets of Success for Hay House. Um, okay. I wrote the um, Travel Into Your Past Lives. Um, was actually my first publication back in uh, 87. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting old. Um, in uh, Sydney, Australia. And it's uh, it's. It's actually an audio book, and on on uh, the CD is a past life regression and also a lecture on the theories of karma. So um, that was my the first book that I had published. Okay, because I suppose what I was trying to lead to there was. Um 
because I, I often wonder this myself as well, having such a close connection with somebody, you know, you think, you know, did I have a, a past life with that person before? Was there some kind of soul mate connection? It's, it's a very special communion, isn't it, when you when you are a twin? Because you've you've caught. From, oh yeah. Yeah. So I just wondered if you've explored that with your sister. We did explore that, as a matter of fact, and we've had a number of past life regressions together, and um, we have been together over and over and over again, not always as twins, but actually many times as twins, but often as brothers, um, and we were both brothers, we were both sisters, always to get, we, we've been together at extraordinarily frequently times, and often moving in the same direction in terms of career and de- development and evolution too. Um, so yes, we definitely have explored that. And did you with your brother? Um, to be honest, he hasn't really followed into this field. To be honest, so um, he's very open-minded to it, but not uh-huh. like me. If it was the strange thing about it was he was the catalyst that got me into this because um, he had an out-of-body experience. Um, we just come back from holiday. He crashed out in the bed. I was in my bedroom, just tinkering around on a piano that I used to play. And um, he just said that he just ended up floating up, just below the ceiling. And um, he was just inquisitive. And he came floating in. He could see what I was doing. And then he just he, he freaked him out. He came and told me what happened. And it, that sent me on to like a journey of discovery. But for him, it was just like, oh, yeah, I had an out experience. And, and that was it. He's never really looked into <laughs> it. And if I... <laughs> Well, maybe you'll lead him back someday too. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. When the time's right, I guess. Or maybe he's just right. he's done all that. Maybe he's done all that before, and um, you know, he's sort of got the seen there, been it kind of thing. And I'm discovering it all now. Maybe I don't know. He just who knows? Uh huh. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Basically, I mean, I know you do the, the clairvoyant stuff as well, um, and you're trying to investigate sort of a greater consciousness with people. I mean, how, how do you think things are going? I mean, I often ask this question to people that we do seem to be in amazing times um, of awakening. More and more people are sort of getting into this stuff, aren't they? Trying to discover more about who they are and the greater reality. So, I mean, what, what do you feel is, is happening? Do you, do you see a bigger picture happening? Oh. Oh, it's 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 spreading across the planet in huge, huge ways, and um, and and not just in terms of the mediumship, of course, but in terms of like people looking into astral projection and looking into dream work and meditation and and healing and reincarnation, and and of course. I have a strong feeling that that is, at least in part, spearheaded by the Aquarian Age, which we are moving more deeply into, but of course we won't be there fully for another few hundred years. I mean, we're moving out of the Paishan Age, which was the Age of Devotion, and of course that was the time of devotional religions and indeed autocratic um, governments where it was devotion to a single king or a single queen. And so governments now are moving into more parliamentary types of, or, you know, senatorial, as we hear in the U.S., um, types of things where it's run by a group, and it's run by groups of thinking people. Thinking, it's the, the Aquarian age is the age of the thinking man. And and that that, that collective of thinking men, thinking humans, are going to be working together to move the, planet into higher states of awareness and you know what there's in many ways 
that's not as evident as we'd like it to like it to be. You know, when I look at some of the things that are on TV, I don't know what's on TV in England, but in in here in the U.S., the reality shows are just quite um, uh, horrible. Mm. <laughs> in fact, and you just wonder how people could watch them and how they could be so popular. But on the other side of that coin is there are more and more people investigating this, and uh, and. As we move deeper and deeper into the Aquarian age, many of the things that we feel are abnormal or paranormal are actually going to be quite normal, both in people's thinking as well as in actual experience. I think telepathic thought, as we move deeper into the Aquarian age, I think telepathic thought is going to be more and more um, an act of just the common man. Um, now it's growing because people are working on their intuitive development and their intuitive senses. But um, the more that happens, the more it will be brought into a daily life experience, maybe two or three, maybe 400 years from now. So, But the age of Aquarius is going to see the enlightenment. It will be the age of enlightenment. I'm, I'm, I feel quite certain about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely something happening, isn't there? I mean, I mean, you do the the tarot cards. Do you do you see like an archetype thing where there's like an energy for a certain age or scenario, and then kind of humanity kind of fit the mold for that energy, and now the energy's slow, you know, slowly changing to a different type. So you're going to get this kind of clash of the two for a while before things sort of oh absolutely, and and it's funny that you said should say clash of the two because. As I said, the age of Pisces was the age of devotionalism, which is kind of like the age of follow the leader. Everybody's sheep. And indeed, in, in Christian terms, you know, Jesus was the shepherd and we were all the sheep, or Jesus was the fisherman and we were all the fish, you know, just um, everybody just being, you know, grabbed in all of the nets, so to speak. So in at this time period, when we're moving from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, it's almost as if the age of Pisces has um, a kind of sense that it's going out. It's going out of fashion. It's going out of energy. It's dying. And because of that, it's having a great big last gasp of breath and trying to hold on with all of its might. And so many um, of the devotional religions, like in, here in the U.S., the Baptist, and, and indeed even in the U.S., Islam is, is one of the fastest growing religions in this country. And those are very extraordinarily devotional um, religions and it's kind of like there is a clash of the two ages because um, the extreme of devotion of course is fanaticism and the extreme of fanaticism is terrorism and that's what we're seeing on the planet today and it's going to take a little while to move deeper into Aquarius to move away from that patient kind of grip on the um, people who are afraid not to think for themselves. There's a lot of people out there who are afraid of thinking for themselves. They want to be led. And um, until those people either turn or actually pass away, um, then we won't be as fully into Aquarius as we'd like. And we'll still be feeling that clash, as you called it. That was a perfect Mm. word. Yeah. I think that's the thing, isn't it? We we become our own leaders in a way. And rather than having a, a... a belief system that many people follow you kind of have your own belief system um in a way but not 
to become too rigid, I, I guess, isn't it? It's to be spiritual without being, um, I suppose, bogged down with someone else's beliefs, I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. That's right. That's exactly the point. It's now the time of the thinking man, and it is up to us. We are the governments because we elect the governments. And so it is up to us to have that open-mindedness and not get, as you said, bogged down in trying to follow other people. But again, because that age of Pisces is still trying to hold on, you know, for dear life, there are are those who uh, want to be led and indeed will believe just about anything that they're told. It's really quite amazing um, some of the things that, you know, uh, that people are believing from, uh, at least from the right wing here in this country. So, um, I mean, they, they still have a lot of life and energy in that in the Pisian age, but it's going to take a little while. And I'm, I'm confident that, you know, as we move forward, people are going to start thinking for themselves more and more. And of course, people involved in the new age are the very people who are spearheading that. Yeah. So in, in a sense, it's kind of, um, it's empowering people, isn't it, to, to think for themselves. And I guess even in this uh, new age movement, um, you know, there's a big belief around the Mayan thing where um, it, it says about big change coming. And already now we're seeing this big change, which is kind of exciting at the same time as being a little bit scary because um, for some people, they don't want the change to happen. They want to live in the world they've always lived in. Um, but it's like empowering people to sort of t- take control of their lives, isn't it? So the work that you, you're doing with your sister, I, I guess that you are a medium, you are a clairvoyant, but I get the impression from what I read that you, you are about empowering people as well. Oh, absolutely. We um, we both lecture on a number of uh, those types of classes and and workshops. Sandy um, um, Sandy's um, book Quantum Success was a New York Times bestseller, and um, and we worked on the secrets of success, which of course that too is about finding your energy, finding your power, finding your grace, and u- utilizing tapping all of those resources so that you can create success. So it is about self-empowerment and indeed even mediumship in a way is um, about self-empowerment because it's more than just about speaking to the other spirit people um, you know your grandmas and grandpas and and even your higher guides and your master teachers and all of that because mediumship also allows you developing the techniques and mediumship the things that we're going to be talking about in that class on May 28th at the Mind Body Spirit Festival um, actually are the exact same techniques that you would use any person would use even those not a medium to be able to communicate at a higher level with their own higher self. It, the intuitive experience happens for not just communication with the spirit world, but also with an insight to the higher mind and the, And that is where we get our empowerment. It is the spirit self. It is the eternal self that is the source of our power, our love, our understanding, our wisdom. And tapping into that requires the exact same techniques as tapping in and talking to your decision grandma whom you loved as a child mm. so in a way is the is the higher self the true self and kind of the ego spirit person is kind of clouded in this distortion of who you really are but when you tap into your higher self you're really bringing through the true you in a sense 
Oh, absolutely. The higher self is, you know, we're living, the, the, the physical world is the world of illusion. And um, the ego, you know, Freud called the ego the executive of the personality, which means it was the ego's place, the ego's purpose to uh, what Freud said, do commerce with the physical world. It was through the ego, it is through the ego that we are able to learn to distinguish ourselves from others. It's actually, the ego is a necessary psychological device because it tells me that I need to feed myself before I starve to death or clothe myself or protect myself. It helps me individuate from other people. But, you know, the ego does its job a little too well, and then instead of just feeding myself or clothing myself, you know, it becomes, uh, well, I need to have an Armani suit, and I need to have uh, a Fendi purse, and I need to have a coach uh, pocketbook, and, you know, clothing yourself isn't enough for the ego when the ego starts to not just take care of you, but measure everything that you do have or um, receive from the universe and indicate where it is that you're lacking. That's what the ego does. And as a consequence, the ego allows us to focus on what's missing, whether it be the things that are missing in our life or what we lack personally, because lack, when we feel badly about ourselves, when we feel as if we don't have the value that other people have, when we feel um, uh, a lack of success or feel to be defeated, that is as much the ego as people who, say, are um, uh, judging others, criticizing others, and making themselves feeling good through that. People who are arrogant are in their ego, but people who are in a state of self-sabotage and self-diminishment are also in their ego. And that's because it is the ego only that measures. And the ego measure can measure uh, aggrandizement as well as a measure of lack. And indeed, I think the ego is very, very effective for a lot of people when they have self-esteem issues. And the only way to, do to, to deal with that or resolve that issue is to move into a sense of def- defining the self through the spirit which is where there is no lack and all power and all grace and all love. And once we start to not only define ourselves there mentally, but actually start to meditate and work with those affirmations and hold those truths to be, be an experience at a visceral level, a real experiential level of feeling our divinity, then the ego kind of starts to take a backseat to the spirit. Yeah, because I, I think um, you obviously come from a psychological background. I heard you say that, and that sounds, it's a very uh, good place you're coming from there. Because like, the, the ego, to me, it's like a lot of people think of the, of the human being as just we are, I'm me, that's it. But there's so many different facets to us, aren't there? And I, I understand through psychology that there's like a saboteur, like you're saying, isn't there, that can it, it sometimes feel threatened by what you're doing, and it will put obstacles in your way. Like even if you're trying to open up spiritually then your ego may sabotage that because it doesn't want you to oh, go down. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's actually um, that's funny because I was just teaching a class on initiation um, uh, last weekend, and one of the things that we discussed is when you find yourself on the spiritual path, you're going to almost immediately find um, that there are obstacles in your way, or that things might feel harder, or that even people, your friends, get in your way. You know that you, you have to deal with people's intolerance of what you're doing, and um, and and the ego um, actually see when you start to move towards your spirit in a more significant with a more significant sense that that is your true self. The ego is threatened because, of course, up until this time, it was the ego whom you experienced as your true self. So you're right. I mean, absolutely, one of the things that you have to move through when you're first stepping on this path, and indeed in intermittent times over uh, over your long evolution, is the sabotaging techniques that the ego has to keep you in your ego. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's truly it's truly amazing, isn't it, really? So... Um... Yeah, just sort of looking at um, some other stuff you do. I mean, I, I saw that you do um, work with gemstones and colours as well. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, maybe just sort of touch on that a little bit as well. Well, colours, first of all, I do do a lot of work with gemstones in in letting people use gemstones to anchor or to focus their energy. In other words, I am not a believer in any way that if you wear this gemstone, this gemstone is for money and this gemstone is for love. Now, I actually have written books that have, you know, like Garnet is is representative of Venus, which in astrology rules love and money. So, but that doesn't mean that wearing a garnet is some kind of magic thing that helps you, that that just is going to bring you money and love. What it is, is a focusing device that allows you, when you see or touch that mineral, to affirm to yourself your ability to manifest great abundance and great love. And so it's kind of like you program your own mind. You hit, there's, there's a programming technique that I teach to people where you program your own mind and you imbue the, the stone or that piece of jewelry or whatever have you with the affirmation and the visualization of the manifest goal that you're ascribing to that stone. And so that whenever you see it, that acts as a triggering mechanism to make, to allow you to, or lead you to reaffirm that and reconnect with that strength and that power. So powers are, every single thing vibrates with a certain resonance, including even the densest mineral in the mineral kingdom. Um, But, um, but gemstones aren't magic. They, they, their power exists in us being able to experience them, resonate with them, and focus, use the, them as focusing tools to have a stronger belief of our ability to, let's say, crystallize the dreams that we want to make real. Because I've come across, um, you know, articles where people talk about crystals and they kind of p- program them through their intention. Um, and even right. people mentioning stuff that possibly in Atlantis they had crystals that they programmed with intention and stuff like that as well. Um, did you think this this stuff is all going to come back in in the future? I mean, it's because if you've got a computer, apparently th- they've got quartz crystals in computers. 
you know. So right. And oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I I'm actually convinced that there were crystals and machines that utilized the force of crystals in Atlantis. And to what degree that is going, that mystical energy of crystals is going to resurface, I actually am not certain. But um, but you're right about using crystals and indeed a lot of different stones to be able to program your energy and program your manifest action and your ability to create what you wish. That's precisely what I was talking about. Using not you're not just programming the stone. You're programming your connection your mind to utilize the, the energy that is manifest within you to move in that direction, to create that reality. And the stone is the triggering mechanism that allows that program to come back to mind over and over. So, but yeah, I think that as we move into the Aquarian age, there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot more experience of a much more, uh, much more significant um, uh, power in the mineral kingdom, which, by the way, is evident by the, um, uh, you know, the atom bomb and radioactive minerals, you know, all of that, all of that was found on the threshold of the Aquarian age. Mm. Yeah, certainly very interesting times we're living in, isn't it? Really, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Um, just to sort of backtrack a little bit as well. Um, just just want to get a feel of you know kind of how you um, how you sort of got in. I know you 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 worked with your sister as, as a young kid. You had these experiences and stuff, but you know you've you've come a long way. Um, you know you sort of traveling all around the world, uh, various conferences and uh, exhibitions and stuff like that. So just wondered, you know, how did you? How, you know, what was your journey? What got you to the place you are today? Oh, so very much. I would have to say that I had an extraordinary high interest in um, things that are beyond just the typical conscious types of things that we experience, like the ego and all the personal stuff. I was very interested in the transpersonal psychology and Jungian psychology, and that actually which was my focus in um, my degree. Um, and uh, and so, so that took me to whole different places in terms of just the psychological structure of the mind and moving beyond um, the physical mind to that spirit mind. Um, and of course, my work with my sister and my first husband was a psychologist, and um, so I did a lot of work in his practice as well. So it was like every single little phase of life moved me forward and moved me forward. And of course, my second husband actually is now in spirit, has been in spirit for the last 16 years, and um, and is still very strong a partner to me and uh, and, and and very active in my daily life so that you know the the world affords us uh, opportunities both in the physical plane and in the spiritual plane to find the people that we resonate with and that move us further along the path or that not move they don't move us further that with whom we can actually synchronize our steps for even a little while to move further into where we're going yeah. So I think that it's, you know, we have to see all of the different events in our lives as a gift that takes us where um, we can grow the most. Mm. 
just I just I saw a film the other day. Um, it's a film called um, Men Who Stare at Goats. Right, it's a comedy um, inspired by a true story about men who did remote viewing and allegedly staring at goats and, and killing them, basically. But um, it is a comedy. But the, uh, George Clooney's character turns around and says in it that there's an idea of destiny, and that if you're if there's a, if there's a if there's something in your future that you're kind of meant to be going towards, then if you focus on it, head towards that, it'd be just so easy. You'll just go with the tide. But if you focus on something that's not your destiny, then it'd just be like walking through treacle. Yes, that's true. And but and and I have found with my clients that one of the things that they may be having trouble, a lot of people might have trouble doing is figuring out, okay, so what's my destiny? And that really comes down to what, whether or not they have an open and um, embracing experience of their own intuitive voice. People, a lot of people don't practice listening to their own intuition, and that's the voice that is going to compel us to move in such and such a direction or take such and such a class or visit such and such a country. And, um, and so people, you know, when people ask me in private readings or whatever, you know, what's my destiny, what's my purpose, um, uh, one of the things that I tell them is I can tell you all of the different things that your aura and your spirit people tell me you have an aptitude for, but you have to start to practice in listening to what compels you because you are the only person who's going to be able to know what your purpose is. That's got to come. That's an interior thought. That's an interior experience. And, um, and, but there's some people do stumble on that a bit. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle on the concept that, you know, there's destiny and free will, or they think, you know, or is everything set in stone and there's no free will? But I mean, how, how do you see the whole destiny versus free will argument? Oh, there absolutely is free will. I don't, in my experience, um, you know, the free and and free will is pretty capricious too. Um, in giving a reading, I'm not going to tell somebody what they're going to be doing ten years from now, because really, what we have to deal with is what's happening now and in the next six months, ten months, two years, that type of thing. Because what we do now, what we decide now, what we take action on now, will actually start the domino effect into two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. So really, um, I, I actually don't have any problem at all coinciding the experience of destiny and the experience of um, free will because destiny is the plan. Destiny, is, to me anyway, is the, um, the design the design that you created in in your collective with the other people involved with the divine the design that you hold for yourself even if you're not conscious of it and free will is the choice you have to acknowledge that design start to take action on that design or actually just follow the path of least resistance and be lazy about your path and or the third alternative is to get stuck in old emotional patterns that are also karmic and part of our psychological evolution and not do end up get work, working on the design at all because we're too mired in the muck of emotional histories. So we could do it, I mean we could literally um, live this life, continue to do the same year over 
over and over and over again and not follow the destiny, um, the design, or we can really start to create an active level, an almost vigilant level of consciousness of the mind of our spirits so that we can be much more in sync, much more in tune with that design and with the opportunities that are part of that design as we step through our regular day. Yeah, because I often think that you know human beings are kind of hooked on patterns without realizing it, aren't they? Patterns is yes, yes. As a matter of fact, when I teach um, past lives, which I'm also going to be. Oh, by the way, I wanted, did want to mention I'm going to be at the in the Isle of Man as well. Um, the weekend before um, the Mind Body Spirit, I'll be at Bright Life in the Isle of Man, and my workshop there is about past lives. And indeed, there's a lot of different things that. Um, pull us back into reincarnation, you know, the desire to be here, um, uh, compensation for previous lifetimes, retribution for previous lifetimes, the will to serve. But one of the other things is patterns. And actually, of in all of my past life work in past life therapy, I would say that at least 80%, maybe even more, of the reasons people come back is to to create a pet, to actually, with the intention of getting out of an emotional, psychological, and behavioral pattern, but because they actually insert themselves into a very similar life, they end up sinking deeper into that pattern and have to do it all over again. So patterns in terms of karmically, and indeed even in terms of this life, eating habits, uh, drinking habits, activity levels, all of the emotional patterns, patterns that we have in this life often are reflective of patterns and past lives. And patterns are the hardest thing to deal with and the things that actually lead us the most through our lives. Mm. So I often think that because human beings are so hooked on patterns, that actually the future is it's not as fluid as you think like it could be but because we're so predictable it's probably easier to calculate the outcome of someone's behavior i know that's a very bizarre thing to say but i just think that humans generally just follow a very predictable path don't they absolutely absolutely i can't you know i can't count the number of times i can i'm giving uh reading to somebody and i'm seeing such a significant entrenchment in a pattern that i have to even think to myself i don't say this to them but i think to myself you know there's a good chance she's going to call me next year and it's going to be the same reading all over again because because you know even though i have an opportunity and of course i take advantage of the opportunity of saying you need to take a look at this you need to change this you need to you have to recognize this pattern you have to create a new pattern in its place and you can do this and you know give them all the give all of my clients all of the options that help them along in their empowerment but so many people will just you're right you'll just keep creating the same thing over and over over and over, over and over, and we just end up living the same life. But we don't have to do that. If we have a higher level of consciousness, if we actually meditate every day and seek to have an embrace of the mind of that spirit throughout our conscious waking life, then we don't have to live in those patterns. Mm. So, so I often wonder, this is just a theory, but... How, you know, the mind is a great thing, but it's also, it can be our downfall as well. And I often think, I wonder, 
do we also get trapped in the mindset when we pass over that we have to go through the pattern of reincarnation as well so therefore that happens but also if you are connected to your higher self then you have that higher perspective when you pass over and you're in a much better position to say hey I don't want to come back this time I want to try something completely different what do you, what do you think of that theory? Well, I do. Certainly, we have a choice of whether or not to come back and which kind of situations and which kind of karmic lessons to deal with. We don't always have to take to have the exact same pattern lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. But if we don't learn, I think that one of the big things, actually the most important thing, we are all here to learn on the planet, besides our individual talents, is to live a life of a conscious mind of the indwelling God. That is the lesson that exists for all of us over and above and indeed through all of the other lessons. And so if we if we have a pattern where we, um, you know, attract to us people who misuse us or if some of us have a pattern of drunkenness or if some of us have a pattern of, of meanness to other people, we can move, when we move into spirit, we, I totally agree with you. Um, we almost 99% of the time we will immediately have an absolute comprehension of our eternal divine soul. We'll see the world and our lives and all of our eternity through that perspective. And we will look down upon our lives and say, what the heck was I thinking? You know, why was I making those, you know, stupid ego choices? Why was I living in that kind of lack or that kind of limitation when I am this divine being? And then, of course, we can choose, we may choose not to come back. But the truth of the matter is, if we are on a certain lesson path, we're, I, I, I don't know that we can choose not to come back for good and all because that lesson's not over the lesson's not done. And so I think we just have to keep, we, I think that it's not that there's some God sitting on Mount Olympus and having us, you know, come back to um, be punished, but because we ourselves know and choose to say, this lesson isn't done and I need to approach it. And so that's why we end up coming back in the same patterns. But no, we don't have to, but I think that ultimately we will choose to because, of course, we're not going to avoid our lessons for good and all. Mm. Have, you, have you come across the work of um, Brian Wees or Brian Wise? Brian Wise, yes. Brian uh -huh. Wise, yeah. Many mentions. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Yeah, because he does an interesting thing where he does a progression thing. Have you seen that where he will... Um... Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I have done progressions in have my you? in my past life workshops since the 80s. Yes, uh -huh. and where you go into a future life and see what you're doing and see what's happening. And, uh, and it's actually been um, very interesting for me in all of my progressions. I've done it a number of times in my own life, but also uh, extraordinarily interesting to talk to the people in my class after I lead a progression and see, you know, where they went, when they went, and what life was like. Mm. And and you'd be surprised, not as many people see that kind of apocalyptic 
thing that they show in the movies, like the Mad Max movies, you know? Mm. It's not as apocalyptic as people think. Actually, um, I would have to say that the, the lion's share of the experiences of the future, and I'm not talking about next year or two decades from now or even 50 years from now, but even many hundreds of years from now, it's very, very idyllic. Very peaceful, very serene, very tranquil, and um, and that is con- a consistent theme um, of the people that I've interviewed after doing progressions. Yeah. So do you, do you see the future with um, a harmony between the spirituality and technology? Yes. Yeah, as, as we move deeper into the Aquarian age, I think that there is still... You know, that ethical shift that we have to move through, especially about things such as cloning and that type of thing, um, that's going to be, you know, part of the lesson that we have to learn. You know, sometimes technology moves faster than the moral evolution of mankind. And um, as a consequence, we need to take some time to catch up with it. Yeah, yeah. Because some, some people um, are kind of waiting for some kind of disclosure around ETs as well and I just wondered did you know have you seen that sort of stuff in the future like an interaction with or even an awareness that there are other beings out there I actually of the of the in my own future progressions and of the future progressions of the people that I've interviewed nobody has mentioned that but I don't think in any way that that would be indicative that it doesn't exist it just means that those individual progressions actually went to a very specific time and place where that element wasn't um, a, an element. Yeah, because it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I was reading the book that he wrote, it was like if you had a pattern in a past life or in the current life, he would send you away, and then next week he would progress you. And then if he found you in a future lifetime with that pattern, then clearly you hadn't resolved it. <laughs> so you kept going around. Right. It's it's just amazing. It really kind of blows your mind, really, about how time works. It's really time is not linear. It's kind of a, a sphere almost, isn't it? It's like circular, you know. And indeed, don't forget that time belongs only to the physical world. Mm, indeed. Yes. And it's it you know it's we call it the temporal world just because that's the place where time exists. That's one of the reasons why I can do phone readings with. I mean, I do people phone readings with people in Singapore and Bangalore and Venezuela and all over the world. And the reason is is that time, spirit is not in any way limited or defined by time or space. They could be. I mean, like a spirit guide could be with somebody in um, in Singapore and literally be standing in my room that very next second and because they are not limited by time or space. So the temporal element that you're right, and I think that even though um, it only still only belongs to the physical world, I think that when you start to uh, enmesh the spiritual world and the physical world or what my sister called who is very into quantum mechanics and quantum physics in terms of how they relate to um, the uh, empowerment of man and the evolution of man um, the M fields let's say when you when the M fields overlap when the different universes start to overlap or invade each other's space then I think time actually does get a little warped mm. yeah yeah wow it is. It's really, really incredible. So, I mean, with with your readings, I mean, have you found that um, people are coming to you with the same kind of um, 
problems or questions? Do you, do you see a pattern in what people are coming to you for now? I often do see a pattern of what people are coming to me for. And happily, I can say that, um, especially in the last number of years, the largest um, percentage of the people coming to me are people that are, that are finding themselves on their own evolutionary path, people that are expanding their own intuitive senses and moving into some of the mystical arts or the healing arts, people that are moving... The, helping their own lives to move forward, but also help moving the world further by bringing to this greater consciousness into their lives. So I'm very happy that um, that is one of the patterns that has occurred in my readings in terms of the types of people that, I, that I'm getting. And it's just a delight for me because, to see, first of all, the great growth and expansion that this is happening, and also to be able to you know, find myself as a brother and sister uh, within that collective to so many people of like minds and um, like purposes. So it's, it's quite a great gift yes, to me. Sure. I mean, for me personally, I've only been into this for about five or six years, roughly, I think. But um, so I've kind of been one of the recent people that really, I guess, that have woken up to it, really. But I mean, for yourself, if you, I mean, You've probably seen so many changes over the years in this, and you know when you first started out, was were people as open as they are today about this, or was it more of a taboo kind of subject? Oh, it was much more taboo, and I had actually early in in my earlier years, there were times where I found myself uh, in let's say, um, debates <laughs> with people who were non-believers, people who didn't want, you know, people who wanted to challenge my position. And and I don't find that, I mean, maybe it might be because the circles that I move in are much more saturated with people who are believers. But the truth be told, I think it's just much, much, much more common in the, in the regular, you know, walk-a-day world to have ideas of the world beyond be very normal. And and so I don't get those challenges anymore, and I don't find myself having to debate with people, and and that feels very good as well. Mm. But just what, look at the, you know, I don't yeah. know what kind, I don't know if you have different, I mean, in tel, in, here on our television, we have the medium, we have the ghost whisperer, we have tons of different paranormal investigation shows, which weren't on 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, and indeed would have been considered a breakthrough if they were to get on 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, but yeah. um, but now it's quite normal. Yeah. It's very, very similar here. We Obviously, the UK for a long time had just like three or four mainstream channels and very restrictive what they put on there. But since, um, you know, we've had um, all of the Sky and all of the satellite uh, channels, we now have hundreds of channels like the US and we have, you know, whole channels dedicated to paranormal ghost vigils and, and everything. And it's very, very open now, you know, in our society, yeah. which is fantastic. We don't have a channel devoted to it yet. That'll be nice when we have a whole channel devoted to it. But it is literally all over, all over, all, uh, so many different networks. You could literally pro probably land on a paranormal TV show eight hours a day. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's, it's brilliant. And there's, there's, you know, where I live in the UK, there's events going off all the time with people hosting uh, medium clear clairvoyance evenings and workshops, lots of mind, body, soul, spirit events, stuff like that. Um, and now it's like where before, you know, 
women were into kind of the health and well-being thing um now it's like another extension to that that um you go along and now you can get a reading and it's no one batters an eyelid anymore it's just kind of normal to just go and have a reading right right and that's part of the aquarian age too again as we move deeper and deeper not only is all of this stuff going to get normal but it's going to be normal for more people in everyday life not only to investigate it but to actually start practicing it and 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 I really think that that I mean we're headed for a very exciting time. Hmm. 2012, you know, regardless of 2012, um, we're headed for a really exciting time. Yeah. See, I I often think that 2012 is more of a kind of a a marker, but it's, it's not a pivotal point. I think it just means that we're moving through this energy and it's going to take a while to settle. And as you say, it's probably going to be hundreds of years before it's absolutely perfect. But you know, we're making massive strides at the moment, aren't we, I think? Absolutely, and I totally agree with you about 2012. I do not see that as the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. You know, everybody made such a big thing about Y2K and, you know, um, whole banks collapsing because the computers couldn't handle the... And, you know, and, and, and it's just people make a much larger thing out of it than I think that it really needs to be. Yeah, because, you know, I think with chaos, there's always somebody to to come in with creative ideas. So I I can't imagine a civilization collapse because that would mean that everybody would have to go into chaos. And I don't see that. I see people, there's always someone that comes up with an idea and creativity. Yeah. So I see. No, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Yeah. So I think sort of change happens within, doesn't it? You kind of change the structure from the ground upwards within, and then the whole thing gets better over time. And I think we're seeing right. a lot of that now, aren't we? I think with the, the banking system, um, we're, we're kind of seeing that. You know, there does seem to be positive changes, although some people will not accept it yet. But you know, right. Right. No, yeah. It's it's a very happy thing to start to even in in this country here. I mean, you guys have had universal health care. Mm forever but um it's a very happy thing to just start seeing that happen on this side of the pond yes it's it's been been very good for us anyway in in the uk so so Uh um, we've got just a few minutes left on the show so just really um let people know remind them i guess really of the workshops you've got a workshop on may the 28th it's the mind body spirit festival in london and it's at the horticultural yes at the horticultural hall That's i right, think it's yeah. in an area called fox hall and somewhere around there it's near victoria station and um it's my workshop's called new powers in spirit communication and that's from 4 to 8 p.m on friday evening the 28th of may and if you haven't gone to the mind body spirit festival um i, I can't imagine any of your listeners not doing having done that since it's actually one of the oldest i've been going there since for 25 30 years so it's been around a really really long time and and i work at conferences all around the world and i have to say that the mbs in london is is typically one of the best that i've ever been to and they're just a great group of people and great vendors and great speakers and and and, it, and it's just something definitely worth um 
putting your um, putting on your calendar. And then I'll also be in the Isle of Man. I don't have that specific date. The, the Friday before the 21st, the, and my workshop, um, that'll be a dinner talk. And then my workshop is actually, it's an intensive weekend, all day Saturday and all day Sunday, the 22nd and 23rd at, um, at, a, at a center called Bright Life. So then you can go to brightlife.com to um, look at the information about that. And that's meeting your past life guides and discovering your past life histories. And we'll definitely be doing a progression, a future life progression in that workshop for sure. Sure. And if people want to find out more about what you do, uh, you've got two websites, I believe. Yes. Um, you can go to Sharon Klingler, K-L-I-N-G-L-E-R.com. And also you can take a look at my products and events at StarbringerAssociates.com. That's www.Starbringer, just like it sounds, StarbringerAssociates.com. It's fantastic. been absolutely lovely talking to you, Sharon brilliant show well thank you so much Ian. it's just been a delight to talk to you and um i wish you the best in everything and you and yourself and uh, hopefully i'll bump into in london okay oh that would be great yes absolutely find me if you're around the mbs will do okay okay well, well thanks again thank you god bless thank you bye 